That's awesome. Man, I love, I love when they, uh, man, I love when the drama team does, uh, I love when the drama team does anything, uh, but I love, man, you know what I love? I love that every time they do it, they go hard. You know what I mean? Man, if you're going to do something for the Lord, do it with all you got. Don't give God leftovers, man. Give him passion. I love it, man. I love it. Flying through the air, that's awesome. That's great, man. Sweet. I love it, man. Give it up for him one more time. That's awesome. Awesome, man. Hey, uh, let's pray uh, really quick, man. I just believe God's uh, really going to speak to us about some really specific things our church needs to hear uh, today. And so, man, I'm fired up about it. So let's, uh, let's ask God to uh, speak to us loud and clear today. Father, I thank you that you're, you are alive, Jesus. Your word is alive. Your spirit is alive inside of us in this place. And so, God, whatever you want to say to us today, Jesus, I pray that we would hear it. I pray, God, that you take away all distractions, anything that might be in the way right now. And, God, I pray that you would just move in power. You just move in power today. And, God, that you would do everything that you want to do here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in a series called Rhythm. And what we've been doing in this series is we are talking about everyday habits uh, to help us uh, pursue God, know God. We defined rhythm the first week of this series as a strong, regular, repeated pattern. And we said that we need strong, regular, repeated patterns in our lives if we're going to know God and follow God. So we talked about fasting week one. And every Tuesday in this series, we are fasting. I don't know what you're fasting from, but I, I pray that you're joining us there. Last week, we talked about, uh, we talked about uh, reading the Scriptures, getting into God's Word. And here's how these actually come together. Last week, we talked about God speaking to us. And so we talked about the Scriptures, and we talked about this thing called SOAP, uh, a really, uh, really, uh, really accessible way for all of us to get into the Bible. If you're new to the Bible, SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. And I know that a ton of people uh, did that this week. We put up a devotion on our app, and we can actually see how many people have downloaded our app and how many people a week use our app. We can track all that. And there were a lot of people this week, honestly, uh, that were doing that. So that was awesome. So last week we talked about God speaking to us. Today we are talking about you and I speaking to God. Because today we are talking about prayer. And I read a statistic uh, actually this week that surprised me. Last, uh, last year there was a survey done nationwide, not just to Christians and not just people who are religious, of people in general, of Americans across the board. came out in May 2016. And this survey said that 55% of Americans say that they pray every single day. Think about that. 55% of Americans. Now we don't know, we don't know who they're praying to. We don't know what they're praying about, but there's a really good chance that if you're here today and you're not a Christian or wherever you're at on that spectrum, you have thought about prayer. Prayer might even be something that you have done before. Church might be brand new to you, but maybe at least one time if statistics are true, if odds are right, it's a really good chance that you have at some point in your life prayed. Uh, when you think about prayer, what kind of stuff comes to your mind? What, what do you think when you think about prayer? You, you know what a lot of people think about prayer? They might not actually say this verbally, but this is how we treat prayer. A lot of us treat prayer as though we're going through the drive-thru at McDonald's. You know what I mean? Right? Like, like we've got our order, and we're going to place our order, and we're looking for God to give us this order in about 60 seconds or less. You know what I'm saying? Like the drive-thru at McDonald's or Taco Bell or whatever. So a lot of us, maybe when we get on our knees, we bow our heads, close, your eyes, close our eyes, whatever you do when you pray, a lot of us just think it's almost as if God gets on the speaker and says, can I help you? 
And then we all of a sudden say back to God, uh, yeah, God, I'll take a, uh, I'll take a raise and uh, some better kids. And, uh, oh, yeah, if you guys uh, have a hotter spouse in there, I'll take one of those too. And, uh, and, and, and then that's what we think. We've got our list, and we are going through the list. Maybe that's what you think about prayer. There was a bumper sticker a while back. I don't really see it much anymore, but have you ever seen that bumper sticker, When All Else Fails, Pray? You ever seen that or heard that? It's as if after you try everything that you can do, pray as a last resort. Maybe that's what you think about prayer. A lot of people only pray when they're in trouble. You know, they're about to lose their job. They have lost their job. There's nothing in the bank. Or, or there's some kind of difficulty, trial. There's some, there's some tension in their life. And that's when a lot of people pray. Hey, let's be honest. Some of us don't pray at all. We're trying to figure it out and suck it up and white knuckle the whole thing. And we're not praying. We're not, we're not asking for any help from anybody because we just don't do those kinds of things. Well, wherever you're at here today, maybe, you're, maybe you have a regular prayer life and you're spending, uh, you're spending a lot of time every single day. Everywhere you go, it's in prayer. Wherever you're at, I believe that God wants to take all of us to a new level of prayer today. I believe that God wants to redefine, reshape the way that you and I think about prayer, how it works, and our role in it. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to Ephesians chapter 6. All right? Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 is where we're going to be. This is a really well-known passage of Scripture. It's called the Armor of God. And so uh, if you've got it uh, on your phone or whatever, I think it's probably on the screen. But we're going to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Let's read this. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's just kind of put into context, let's figure out what's going on here. This is a letter from the Apostle Paul to a church in a city called Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians. It's directly to this church, and it's also to you and me. I love the book of Ephesians. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. Uh, it tells us about our identity in Christ, who we are as individual believers and as the church. And just to put a bow on the whole thing, Paul wraps it up with this thing that he calls the armor of God. 
the armor of God. He, he, he talks about how you and I need to be clothed and put on the belt of truth. We need to put on the helmet of salvation. And listen, we could, and, and at some point we honestly will, at some point we'll take a long series and we'll just go through every piece of the armor of God. But did you see what Paul does at the end of it? I mean, Paul talks about putting on the helmet of salvation. And so the helmet of salvation, God wants us every day to fill our mind with his word, to fill our mind with his promises, to fill our mind with who we are in Christ. Because if my mind's not filled with that, then it's probably going to be filled with lies from the enemy, filled with lies from the world. And so God wants me to put on every day who I am in Christ. But Paul ends it in a very specific way. So he's going through all these pieces of armor, and he says in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. And Paul doesn't throw prayer at the end here because he thinks, oh, you know what? I haven't said much about prayer. Let me throw that in because I'll be spiritual. He doesn't do that. Paul has a reason that he calls you and I to pray. And see, here's what I, I don't know what your image of prayer is, but when you and I think about prayer, I think from now on, one of the ways that God wants our church, wants us to think about prayer, I want you to think about prayer like a walkie-talkie in the hand of a soldier in the middle of battle. Right? I mean, I mean, just imagine that soldier. Just imagine that person. They're on the battlefield, and they're getting shot at, and everything is going crazy around them. They've got this walkie-talkie, and it is a direct line to headquarters. I mean, they can pick that up, and what's on the other end can send in reinforcements. It can save their life. It can radically change the game of what's happening on the battlefield. Listen, that soldier is not going to pick up that walkie-talkie and say, Hey, what are y'all doing today? Just hanging out. What what are you doing? No, man, they are going to get on there and they are going to use that thing to save their life or the lives of other people. Prayer is like that walkie-talkie. Because the image that Paul paints uh, that, that you and I need to put on the armor of God, it's because every single day we are in a battle. Every single day we are in a battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so you need to put on the armor of God. You don't need to go to work. You don't need to go to school. You need to try to lead your family on your own resources. You you don't need to go through this life just trying to suck it up and pull it off. No, no, no. You and I were made to live in connection to our heavenly Father. And so just like that walkie-talkie is a direct line to headquarters, through Jesus, you and I have a direct line to heaven. And God listens every time his sons and daughters call on his name. Amen? God listens. You have a direct line to heaven. And so we need to see three things today about prayer. Three things today that you and I need to see about prayer. And here's the first one. We pray because we're at war. You and I, we pray because we're at war. So we need to ask after reading everything about the armor of God, what is the armor of God? I mean, what is this? And like I said, we could spend weeks talking about this, but just for the sake of time, here's what you need to know. The armor of God is essentially the way that you and I need to live the Christian life. It's the way that you and I live the Christian life. You don't need the armor of God when you're in a bad situation. You need the armor of God on when you are in any situation. Because like I said, we are in a battle. The only reason that you wear armor is because you're in a fight, right? You're not wearing armor to Walmart. That'd be weird. 
right? If you're going to wear armor, you're going to pick up a sword, man, you are at war. You are in a fight. Look at what he says. Let's listen to our fight. Back up, verse 10. Back up, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of who? Oh, no, 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 no. I, no. You may be able to stand against the schemes of who? The devil. All right, it went from three to five. If that's all I'm going to get. That's all I'm going to get. All right. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, you need to know that the Bible says that Satan and demons are real. Right? Now, because we're Americans and we are sophisticated, some of you are thinking this. I don't know if I believe in that. I don't know if I believe in all that mumbo-jumbo demon stuff, exorcist, head-spinning, vomit. I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know if I believe all this demon stuff, Mark. That's, and listen, 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 listen. And you might be hearing you're a Christian. I don't think I believe in that stuff. I don't think, I'm not into that whole demon stuff. And You know, I mean, Jesus, if you read the Gospels, Jesus walked around and he did exorcisms. People were possessed by demonic spirits and he delivered them, drove them out of his life. I don't know if I believe in that stuff. Mark, okay, well, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that people can come back from the dead? Say, this stuff is crazy. Listen, this is not the craziest thing in the Bible. Did you know that God put skin on and became a man and he died and three days later he came back from the dead? See, we don't do what we do here every single week because, like I said earlier, we think God is a good idea. We do what we do here every week because God put skin on, died, came back to life, and he's alive right now. All right? So I'm not in to the whole supernatural thing. No, no, no. You need to realize that at the center of this whole thing is a man who came back from the dead. Right? Amen? Amen? I feel like this is a really good sermon so far. If we did an offering, I'd give again. Um, I feel this is going really well, right? (laughs) Satan and demons are real. I need you to, if you're taking notes, I need you to write that down. Satan and demonic forces, they are real. Satan was created as an angel by God. He was originally an angel, meant with all the other angels to give glory to God, give worship to God, but here's where Satan went wrong. Satan wanted God's glory for himself. All the worship that God wanted, that, that, that God deserved, rather, Satan wanted it, for himself. So Satan tried to lead a rebellion against God, and many angels followed him. Those have not, and, and, and here's the thing you need to know about God. God's never lost a fight, okay? So if you pick a fight against God, God will always win. God kicks Satan and those fallen angels, now demons, out of heaven, kicks them out. Now here's what you need to know when we're talking about Satan and demonic forces. You need to know that God and Satan are not equals, So there's not this cosmic uh, MMA fight where God lands a punch sometimes and sometimes Satan does. No, 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 no. Listen, Jesus has already defeated the enemy. The enemy is already defeated. He is already beaten. He's already lost. He already knows the end of the book and that at the end, spoiler alert, Jesus wins. All right? So the, the, the devil, I like that. The devil... The devil knows he's a loser, but, but, but watch this. Here's what he did. The devil knows that he can't touch Jesus, so he has turned everything he has against you and me. He knows he can't bother Jesus. He knows he can't touch the Trinity, but he can mess up Mark Holmes. He can, he can come against you and me. 
See, Christians, Christians cannot be possessed by a demon. Because the Bible says, greater is he that's in us than he's, he that's in the world. But Christians can be oppressed by demonic forces. Right? Christians can be oppressed by demonic forces. Did you know that you can open your life up to spiritual attack? Did you know that? Did you know that you can open your life up to spiritual attack? Well, Mark, how can we do that? Should we play ACDC records backwards and grab a bunch of Ouija boards and things like that? You know, should we just... Uh, now, li- now, listen, if you're doing that, if you're doing that, uh, I would recommend a better hobby, okay? So if you're actively worshiping the devil right now, sacrificing kittens in the basement, stop, all right? I'm trying to be funny because the look on some of your faces right now is, what are we doing? The Baptists in the room, the Baptists in the room have lost it, right? The Pentecostals in the room are, yes, yes, this is the day. And the Presbyterians are like, two weeks ago, he mentioned wine. It was amazing. Um, and so, that was free. And so, so Christians cannot be possessed by, a, by, by the demonic, but you can open your life up to satanic influences. Now, I'm trying to be funny because, listen, we're going to dive into some stuff. How can you open your life up to satanic influence and, and, and you can even be used by the enemy against the kingdom of God, against this church, against other believers, against the kingdom of God? How can you open your life up to those kind of things? Go ahead, check this out on the screen here. Let's go ahead and check this out. Here's a couple of ways right here. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says that you open your life up to Satan with anger and bitterness. It says, while the sun is still up, do not let the sun go down on your anger because you're, letting, you're, you're giving the devil an opportunity to get in and just run wild in your life. So Ephesians 4, anger and bitterness is a way to let the devil in. I'm not going to forgive them. You are in a really dangerous spot. Here's one right here. Watch, watch, watch. 1 Timothy 5, 13 and 15 says that you open your life up to demonic forces with gossip. Don't get all spiritual. Well, well, Brother Mark, what is gossip? Sugarfoot, here's what gossip is. Gossip is when you have information about somebody, whether it's true or not, and you go to everybody else about that information except for the person that you need to go to in the first place. So I go to to everybody in this church about something that might or might not be real about somebody's life. And here's what happens in Christian church. Here's what happens in churches all the time. We do this under the guise of prayer request. I got a prayer request. Mm. Pray. And, and here, here's what happens. Jesus in Matthew 18 tells you to go to that person, not everybody else. If I refuse to go to that person, but I go to everybody else, I am a gossip and I am, I am letting, the, letting the devil influence and run my life. Amen? Amen? Say, Mark, going to that person and talking to him is hard. I know obedience is always hard. That's why Jesus says, carry your cross. Die to it. Do it anyway. Right? Here's one lying. John 8, 44. Lying is a way to open our lives up to demonic forces. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2 says, false teaching is a way to let the devil infiltrate our minds and we begin to believe lies and all of a sudden we are easily deceived and influenced by things we don't want to be influenced by. By. Now, you can also go experience spiritual attack. What are some signs of that you might be experiencing spiritual attack? Let me give you these. These are 10. I'm just going to shoot through these really quick. One, unusual marital and family conflict. 
not just normal fights that happen here and there. I'm talking it's thick and it just seems to be everything with the husband, with wife, with kids, just unusual marital family conflict, recurring and uninvited temptation, things that you thought you beat and got victory over years ago, out of nowhere, they are coming back in waves and you just can't seem to shake it. Strong discouragement and defeat. Please don't miss number three, Summit. Strong discouragement and defeat. Well, that's just my personality. This is just running my family. Well, maybe, but you could also be under attack of the enemy. Crippling doubt. God doesn't love me. God doesn't want to use me. God's not got anything good for me. You read the Bible, and every single thing you read, something inside, something is telling you, not true for you, not true for you. That's the voice of the enemy. Team disunity. So it can be a team. Teams, it can be church disunity. It might even be family disunity. Personal isolation. Man, we have seen this in six years literally hundreds of times. Dana could tell stories. So many of you guys could tell stories. Something happens, and so, why? Why does this happen? Something goes wrong in somebody's life, it's not even church-related, the first thing they do is what? Drop out of church. Oh, man, I've messed up. Oh, man, I've got this thing in my life. I need to quit church. Who told you that? I tell this to people all the time who say that to me. Jesus isn't telling you to quit church, but something is, right? Changing focus, changing focus. I could be following the Lord, and all of a sudden, man, I just want to live for myself. Prayer struggles. I'm just struggling to pray at all. Reading distractions. I can't even get into the Word of God. Demon hunting, what that means is I just believe there's a demon under every single rock, and I give Satan credit for every single thing. The danger is a lot of times we can give Satan credit for things that I might need to repent of. Do you understand? Right? Do you understand? Right? So what do we do? What do we do? Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the who? Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. How do we do that? We pray. We pray. The way that we're strong in the Lord is prayer. Listen, the greatest threat to Satan and his forces are Christians in prayer. So we pray because we're at war. That leads to number two. We pray in order to stand. We pray in order to stand. My, my kids, uh, my oldest uh, two, Seth and Cassie, they don't do it so much anymore, but Chloe still does. My kids would play this game, and they would, they would walk up to me, and they'd be, you know, we'd be somewhere in the house, and they would do this. They'd say, Dad, try to push us over. You know, try to get us really firm footing, you know, and, and I would act like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then because I wanted to know, hey, I'm older and tougher than you, I'd go, boom, and they'd fall down. It's great being a dad. It's awesome. And, um, but they would say, Dad, but, but the whole idea, Dad, you can't push me down. I'm standing here. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to fight against the schemes of the devil. That is not what it says. Did you know that the Bible doesn't say put on the armor of God so that you can fight the schemes of the devil? The Bible says this, put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. See, Summit, God calls me to, God calls me to stand because he's the one that fights. Amen? God calls me to stand because he's the one that fights. God calls me to stand firm in his word and his promises so that he can fight. And the reason we're called to stand is right there in verse 11. It's because we can stand against the schemes of the devil. See, the devil is a schemer, y'all. He's got plans. He's got strategies to take you down, to ruin your family. To, to throw guilt and shame and, and condemnation at you. The devil has a plan to take you down. How can you uncover that plan? Answer this question to yourself. What is the one temptation right now that could take you out? What's the one thing that you struggle with more than anything else? See, you need to know the answer to that because the devil already does. 
And don't sit there and say, well, I struggle with sin. Well, thank you, Captain Obvious. We all do. I mean, the devil is way more specific than that. The devil knows that you're addicted to Internet pornography. Now, God does too, and you're still loved, but the devil does, and he's going he's to do everything he can to get you to quit believing that God loves you. Right? The devil knows that you struggle with anxiety. The devil knows that you struggle with anger and bitterness. The devil knows exactly how to push your buttons and get in there. And so what you and I need to do is we need to pray so that we can stand. The way that we stand is in prayer. That's exactly why Jesus in the model, model prayer tells us to pray, lead us not into what? Anybody know? Temptation. God, you lead me not into temptation because, God, on my own, I'm going to fall. But, God, you can make me stand. So, Jesus, you lead me not into temptation. A lot of people, when we, when we talk about this kind of stuff, some of you say this, and this is a good question. Mark, listen, I would love to pray so that I can stand, but, Mark, I don't even know how to pray. What do I pray about? Here's what you pray about. You pray about your life. You pray about your life and all the messes and all the junk. You pray about your life as it is. Don't pray about a prettier version of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't pray about the Facebook version of you. The, the Instagram, the Snapchat, the Twitter version of you where you've got the hottest wife and the hottest spouse and the perfect kids and you're always eating, you know, five-course meals every night. All of us know you're eating Hot Pockets, okay? We all know what's going on, all right? Don't try to pretty yourself up in prayer. Come to God as you are in prayer. See, I'm a dad of three kids and I love my kids in the mess, I don't love my kids when they have it all together. I love my kids in the middle of the mess. How much more would our Heavenly Father love us in the middle of a mess? Man, if you have ever come to me for counseling, you as a, a married couple, you on your own, it doesn't matter what you come to me with. I guarantee you, if you if, and you know I've done this to you if you come to me for counseling, at some point when we're together, unless I just forgotten it slipped my mind, but 99% of the time when somebody comes to me for counseling, at some point I look at them and I ask them, how are you talking to God about this problem? Do you know what the answer most of the time is? I'm not. The answer most of the time, I'm not talking to God about this at all. And then we wonder why we don't have any victory. I love what Sam Storm says. Sam Storm says, except on rare occasions, only will God give us victory when we ask him to. So are you talking to God about your depression? Are you talking about God to God about your addictions? Are you talking to God about those issues in your life? If you don't know how to do that, read the book of Psalms. Later on this year, we're going to do a series through the book of Psalms. And here's what you see when you read the book of Psalms. David and all of the guys who wrote the book of Psalms, what you see are real people taking real problems to a real God and experiencing real change. But you can't, you can't experience real change if you're trying to cover up and fake who you are. So we pray in order to stand. But number three, last one, we pray to help others stand. We pray to help others stand. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Watch, watch, watch. Making supplication for all the saints. Making supplication for all the saints. And Paul doesn't even stop there. Paul says, look, verse 19, and also for me. Will you pray for me? Who is praying for you right now? Who is praying for you about that situation at your home? 
Who is praying for you about that situation at work? Who is praying for you about that big decision that you've got to make because you just graduated high school or you just graduated college? Who is praying for you about the deepest struggles in your life? Who is praying for you? Not only that, who are you praying for? See, if the Apostle Paul asked people to pray for him, then I should probably ask people to pray for me, amen? I probably need some people to pray for me. So who is praying for you? Who knows what's going on in your life? Who are you lifting up? Because listen, when you and I, when we pray for each other, what we're doing is we are helping each other stand. We are helping each other fight the fight. We tell people all the time, hey man, I'm praying for you. And really what we're doing is we're looking at somebody and we're saying this, I am helping you fight the fight. I'm helping you stand against the schemes of the enemy. I'm helping you stand firm on the promises of God. I am not going to let you fight this on your own. I am going to go to God on your behalf. Man, sometimes I am guilty of telling people, I'll pray for them, and then I'll say, but is there anything else you, you need? As if there's something more powerful that I can do for somebody than to take their name to the throne of God. Right? Now listen, if there's a need, meet a need. Amen? If there's a need, try to meet that need. But listen, there is nothing more powerful that you and I can do for each other than to pray for one another. Nothing more powerful. Listen, listen, listen. We'll close right here. We'll close right here. I hope to God you are praying for this church. Amen? I hope to God you are absolutely praying for this church. I hope that you understand, I hope that you understand that right now that building that we're renovating over there in Christopher and the building that we're working on, we're not just simply trying to renovate a building. Listen, you need to know the enemy is fighting against that with tooth and nail. He's going to fight against it now. He will continue to fight against it. I hope you're praying for that project. I hope you're praying for our church. Man, I'll just be honest with you. And I'm not doing this so that uh, you can have a pity party and, oh, poor Mark and all that stuff. And Man, I have been more discouraged over the past year than I've ever been. I have been closer to quitting this past year than I've ever been. And I've talked to me, Elaine and I have been talking and some pastor friends just opening up with them. And there is no doubt in my mind and there's some stuff i got to change. I'm going to talk about that later on in this series. But, man, there's no doubt in my mind, I have been under real deep spiritual attack. Some of you, I'm talking to you, man, and your marriages are struggling and struggling and struggling, and you're trying so hard to work it out. Why can't you work it out? Well, it's because of him. It's because of her. Hey, listen, what if it's because of somebody that's trying to destroy your marriage and you can't see them? Man, I'm going to all these counselors and all this stuff to get this thing out of my life, and I just can't shake it. Why can't you shake it? You ever thought about the fact that there's something that's keeping that in your life, and you can't even see it? But God can see it, and you're in the middle of a spiritual battle. Man, I hope to God that you are praying for this church. I hope to God that you are praying for one another. How, the, the, the devil would want nothing more than you and I to stroll in and out every single week. think we're going to hear a couple songs, a talk, and the most pressing thing on our planner is what are we going to do for lunch when this is over. The devil loves that. The devil would love nothing more than for the overwhelming majority of people who come here every week to watch the few people do every single thing. Right? 
I hope to God you are praying for all these students in these first two rows and throughout this church right here. Listen, when those kids get up here and do this, man, there is a spiritual battle against them. When school starts in a couple of weeks, listen, it is hard to stand firm as a student today. Don't let them get up here and clap. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cute. Man, you better be on your knees for these students doing war for them, right? You better be on your knees doing war for your marriage. You better be on your knees doing war for this church. Do you want to see God do more in this church than we have ever seen in the past six years? Do you? Hey, 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 hey. You don't have to clap, but if you want it, are you praying for it? Do you want to see God change this city? Are you praying for it? Do do you want to see your kids grow up and be mighty men and women of God? Well, are you praying for it? You want to see your your husband, you want to see your wife be a man or woman of God? Are you praying for it? If God, I say this all the time in our church, if God answered every prayer you've prayed over the past seven days, will anything have changed? Summit, I'm done. And we have got to figure out whether or not we think this is real. Hello. We have got to figure out whether or not we really believe that 2,000 years ago a man named Jesus Christ was killed and three days later he came back from the, de- from the dead to defeat my sin, my shame, and our guilt. And he defeated the devil who is alive today and wants nothing more than for you and I to play church. we got to figure this out, man. I am cashing it in on that it's real. I am cashing the future of this church in on the devil is real and demons are real, but Jesus is greater. Right? Well, our city's got an addiction problem. Our city does have an addiction problem. Why can't we shake it? Why can't we shake it? Ephesians also says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, meaning that he is at work in our community. You better believe. You have got to figure out, do I believe this stuff? (laughs) So here's the invitation. We're going to pray. And we're going to pray for three things. We're going to pray that you would stand. And we're going to pray that each other would stand. That we would stand. And we're going to pray for our church and for our community. All right? Let's pray. However that, however that lands on you, I'm just going to give you a moment or two. I want you to pray for you right now. For, for nobody else but you. And I hear people say sometimes, Mark, I don't talk to God about my problems. I don't talk to God about my life. I figure he's got enough to worry about. Listen, that sounds humble, but it's really pride. Okay? Jesus said, Jesus told us to pray for our daily bread against our temptations for your own life. So, so right now, take a moment, pray that you would stand. You, just for yourself. Go ahead. Now, as we're praying, we're going to continue to pray, but here's what I want you to know. You might be here today, and you are not a Christian. You're not a follower of Jesus yet, and 
And here's what I would say to you today. If you are here today and you do not have Jesus Christ in your life, the power that we've been talking about, you can only begin to experience that experience, that kind of relationship with God that we've talked about today by asking Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? If not, I'm going to give you a chance to do it right now. Right now, in this moment, is your time to give your life to Jesus Christ for the first time. As people are praying, if you want to pray right now and ask Jesus to save you, to come into your life and be your Savior and Lord, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I just want you to pray this with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you today for the first time. Jesus changed my life. Thank you for loving me and dying for me and coming back from the dead for me. I give my life to you today, Jesus. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Jesus Christ to save you, would you just put your hand high in the air right now just to say, Mark, I prayed that just now with you. I prayed to give my life to Jesus, and today I got saved. Just put your hand up right now. Anybody who did that, go ahead. Amen. Amen. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for other people in this church right now. I want you to pray for other people in this church right now. You might want to look around, get a few faces, names in your mind, pray for some people today. Pray that they would stand. You might want to pray for somebody you haven't seen in a while. Let's lift each other up. God, we just pray for each other, Jesus. I pray for marriages who are hurting and struggling, that God, they would not try to fight that on their own. That Jesus, they would begin to pray and they would begin to seek you and cry out. God, they would also talk to some other people about it. God, I pray for the person who's bound up in in addiction, some kind of struggle in their life. God, I pray that they would experience supernatural deliverance from that. That Jesus, they would know that you are stronger and that you are greater. Father, I pray for our church that Jesus, we would take these things seriously. Satan is real, demons are real, but Jesus is greater. He's alive, you're alive in Jesus. Right now, you're you're hearing this prayer. This is not just us talking to air. You hear it. We believe that you'll respond to it. God, would you strengthen this church to stand against the schemes of the enemy? Now, here's what we're going to do. Everybody look at me. We've done this a couple times in our church, and it's always messy, and I love it every time. All right? We're going to, right now, everybody's going to stand up, and we're going to make an abstract shape prayer. I say circle, but we can't make a circle in the forum. So we're going to join hands and shoot through rows all over, but we're going to have a circle prayer right here. We're going to circle up right now. So go ahead and stand
All right, so go ahead and join up hands here. We're going to gather around. And we are coming together as a church to pray. Pray and to stand. Pray and to be strong in the Lord. And here's what we're going to do. I've asked some guys up here who are right next to me to lead us in prayer. They're going to pray real loud. Okay, so pray real loud. Pray real loud. All right, Jacob is going to pray for our church. Okay, and then Hunter is going to pray for our community, that God would move in our city. All right, and then after Hunter's done, I'm going to dismiss us in a word of prayer. But let's all join together as one people in prayer right now. Jacob, go ahead and lead us real loud. Father, thank you for today. Father, thank you that when your people pray, you hear. And God, I pray that, Father, you would take what we've done here today and you would just drive that down deep into us, God, that it wouldn't be a service and we look back and, oh, you remember when we talked about that and did that? Father, that you would make us a people who pray. Jesus, you said that your house will be a house of prayer. God, will you make us that? And if we are nothing else, that is enough. We pray that we are a people who seek you 
We are people who are hungry for you, and we are people who are thirsty for you, and that that hunger and thirst would flood out into this community, and put God, people would be saved, and God, that you would radically move in this city, region, and world. And Father, I pray that you would make us a group of people who are hungry for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Some of us thank God for today, that God hears us when we pray. Amen, amen. Hey, guys, hey. Hey, man, if you're here first, second time, we'd love to connect with you at the welcome table. But before you head out, before you head out, uh, say hi to all these people that you're around. Say, hey, it's awesome to go to church with you. Maybe you're sitting near somebody you've never seen before. Hug on somebody. Tell them you're glad they're here, all right? 